With Hurricane Sandy striking the East Coast, business continuity professionals are in the spotlight. How can they shine? Hi, this is Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today with Regina Phelps. She's Principal of EMS Solutions, Inc. and a business continuity expert. Regina, thank you so much for joining me today. Pleasure to be with you, Tom. Now, Regina, I know you're on the West Coast, but I know you've been talking with your East Coast contacts all morning. How well prepared is the East Coast for Hurricane Sandy? You know, that's a great question. I think the East has certainly done a lot over the last few years to get better prepared for events like this. The thing that makes Sandy, I think, a little bit unusual is that it really creates what I call a trifecta. If you look at continuity planning overall, continuity planners basically look at three possible scenarios, loss of building, loss of staff, and loss of data. Sandy has the potential, frankly, to create all three. Uh, there's a high probability that people will not be able to get into their places of business um, through many parts of the East Coast. There's also a unique possibility that people will not be able to get to work for many reasons. Uh, there could be transit-related issues. We've certainly seen tremendous uh, closures of transit systems in the East Coast. But we've also uh, are going to be seeing a huge impact on people's homes. And uh, when people are uh, impacted in their, their homes, uh, their communities, they won't be able to get to work easily because of either home damage, personal injuries, family illnesses or injuries. And so there's a very strong likelihood that there will be a lot less people able to come to work to recover a business. And then thirdly, depending on what's happening with their data centers and their data recovery plans, there could also be a possible loss of data, either because the data center has a failure or a network problem or simply because people are not able to connect due to the fact of a loss of electricity or a loss of their Internet provider. So even in a well-prepared community, uh, the fact that we'll be facing all three possible scenarios that we plan for is going to challenge a lot of people to the core. Well, you rightly so point out that we've got so much at play here, and apparently this storm is strengthening. It's not weakening. Given mm -hmm. those factors, where do you foresee the greatest vulnerabilities for organizations, even with the best of planning? I really think it's going to be two things. I think it's really going to be uh, the lack of their people able to assist them. And secondarily, um, uh, is one of our more recent strategies in recovery that most uh, companies have really embraced wholeheartedly. And that's what I call work from home. Uh, many companies many years ago used to have uh, hot sites of which they would have their mission-critical uh, employees go to a certain location that would have power and utilities and uh, data and all the equipment they would need, and they would be able to do their mission-critical business functions. Now what happens is that many companies looking for certainly lower-cost uh, solutions, but also, frankly, convenience on the part of the business and also the employee, have embraced the idea of working from home. Uh, working from home only works if you can work from home, meaning you've got utilities, electricity, and certainly you've got an Internet connection. So I think what's going to happen is that our greatest vulnerability for many of the East Coast clients that we have, as well as just folks in general in the East Coast, is going to be the fact that probably one of their biggest strategies for recovery is going to fail. Well, you're getting to my next question now, and that's what might organizations overlook, and it sounds like you've hit upon it. 
Well, yeah, you know, and I think it's um, it's one of the things that we have cautioned our clients aggressively at is that this idea of working from home is great, but one of the things that you have to do if you are going to build your entire recovery strategy around work from home, you had better really, really look at this uh, strategy seriously. And one of them really is is to plot out uh, on a zip code map where all of your employees are and really look at the the utility feeds that go to those areas and really ask yourself the question, if we had a widespread outage like Hurricane Sandy and we had a large swath of uh, area that is now impacted, where the heck are people going to recover? And now there is really no backup strategy. So I think really the greatest um, issue that people have really overlooked is probably the idea that they have put way too much uh, hope and possibility in the strategy of working from home. To some extent, and I don't need to trivialize what we're going through now, but we went through something of a, of a rehearsal for this back with Hurricane Irene in 2011. What business continuity lessons, if any, did we learn from that experience? You know, that's a really great question. I think that the unique thing about Hurricane Irene is that it was really forecasted, of course, to be something that was going to be majorly um, a problem along the coast. And as we know, it turned out to be more of an inland issue and really impacting places like Vermont. Um, well, the, the, that's sort of a good news, bad news story. Uh, bad news, of course, for the citizens of, of communities in Vermont, as an example. But from a perspective of business, the impacts in business were relatively smaller because uh, it hit areas that were not so much a hub of business. And so I think what we saw in some businesses is they learned from supply chain disruptions that occurred as Irene sort of ground its way up the the more in, inland parts of the east, but it, it wasn't um, it wasn't a huge business impact. And so I think uh, many people look at a situation like Hurricane Irene, and it creates almost a false sense of, well, gee, hey, you know, we did okay, and look at all the things that happened, but it didn't happen to us. And so there's a good news, bad news story when you have a, a disaster like Irene uh, or other events that have occurred of which people – uh, in businesses look and say, wow, you know, not much happened to us. Well, yeah, not much did. And then they almost begin to think, well, now I'm invincible or our plans are really great, when in reality their plans weren't really tested. I think what's going to happen over the next few days is those that are in the East Coast and the North Atlantic states are really going to have their plans tested in ways that, frankly, I don't think any of them really imagined. So it really is, as I mentioned up top, it's an opportunity for business continuity and disaster recovery professionals to shine, isn't it? It absolutely is, and I think there's a lot that people can do in that in our field to be able to support leadership. So it doesn't really matter whether our, our leaders, our folks in my field, are actually leading the charge, if you will, or they're supporting the folks that are leading the charge because there's so much that we can actually help our colleagues with. And I think there's a couple of things to think about. When I uh, often speak on the topics of crisis leadership, there's a few things that I always ask people to really think about when they think about these types of disasters. And the first thing is there's about seven skills that people should really be looking at having. And if they're not the one who is the leader, they should be supporting these initiatives in the leadership of a company. The first one is situational awareness. They need to really have broad situational awareness so they can really understand not what's happening at them right this moment, but what's going forward. There's a glut of information on the Internet, and sometimes there's so much that you can almost lose your mind, if you will. One of the things I would really direct your listeners to is a really fabulous product that um, 
that uh, actually um, Google has come out with. They come out with a product that is really uh, free uh, to the public, and it's a crisis map. And what they do is they've created this crisis response organization as part of Google that just pulls together everything, and they've created a fabulous dashboard at google.org backslash crisis map, all one word, backslash Sandy, hyphen 2012, and I'll be happy to send you the link and you can post it on your site. When you go to that particular site, it will give you incredible situational awareness. It's got everything that's happening currently in the storm, the forecast track, the next three days, the surge, where the shelters are. It's really a fabulous tool and a great planning tool for people like my field. And again, in the area of having situational awareness, it's absolutely essential that you get it. And sometimes with so much information, you can miss something. And this Google crisis map, I would really recommend to your listeners. The second skill I think that people are going to have to do is improvise. Everybody has business continuity plans, but frankly, most people have not really thought about the worst case scenario. No one really does. And they've really not thought about, well, what if it all doesn't work? Well, when it all doesn't work, like in things like 9-11 or Katrina, you have to improvise. And so not to be wed to how you've always done it, but you have to literally be thinking about how I should be doing it going forward. So improvision is absolutely essential. The next thing that people need to be thinking about is the idea of creativity and adaptability. They have to be creative. They've got to be adaptable. They've got to be thinking of different ways of doing something and really not being wed to the old uh, plans or old tools that they've always had. So they've got to be thinking forward. The next thing is they need to be also looking at decisiveness. So once that you've made some plans and some decisions, you've got to act. And frankly, sometimes people are always waiting for the to know everything. And we're not going to know everything about Sandy. Uh, we're not going to know everything until it's all over. So people in leadership positions, people in business continuity uh, professional roles are going to have to really make some decisions, even with incomplete information. And if they've decided they've made the wrong um, uh, decision, they're going to have to make another one. And they just have to keep moving the organization forward. And that's absolutely essential. Uh, they also then need to, my, my next action tip is to actually then the term action. Once they've made the decision, they have to enact their plans and they have to work them and have to work them and keep looking at them over and over again. Which then leads to my next step, which is communication. You've got to communicate. And social media is absolutely essential tool in communication. Many people in business continuity have not really embraced social media. They think it's a young person's that tool. And I really want people to realize it's, it's a tool for everyone. And they need to really think about how they can embrace it uh, and add to it uh, and really uh, learn from it, and that's absolutely essential. Uh, then the next thing they want to be thinking about or the last thing is constantly uh, reevaluating re where they're at. So looking for what's a term called cognitive bias. You know, are they being overconfident? Have they think they've seen this before? Are they being a little smug? They need to make sure that they're reevaluating and constantly challenging themselves. Can we do it better? Can we do it different? What am I missing? And then continually keep going back to the term of situational awareness, and then that little cycle continues. So people in my field can do a huge amount to help their companies and their communities. If they think about those seven basic steps, it doesn't matter whether they're the leader or they're actually the person supporting the leader. Now, Regina, what are some of the ways that professionals can help the staff that could be remote now, those that are working at home? You know, that's a really great thing. I think the most important thing is in the area of communication. So whether the uh, company has clearly thought through their messaging, but they want to be working closely with their crisis communications folks, they also be, want to be working with their 
with their HR uh, folks in case there are HR decisions that need to be made, uh, and that could include things such as if people are displaced, what the company might do for them, emergency loans they might cut for folks or those types of things. But communication, setting up a Twitter feed, for example, uh, monitoring Twitter, uh, sending out messaging, and also talking points to them when customers ask them, you know, what are you what are you doing? How are you, how are you responding? They have the standard company response, so they're not making it up on their own. So I think the number one thing that a company can help them with right now is communication. And how about for customers or even for business partners, the third parties that are dependent upon these government organizations or financial institutions or even healthcare organizations? Mm-hmm. You know, I think the um, the scary part for many folks is that they realized in recent disasters that uh, there are many companies that have offsourced many different activities within their business, and they don't know what their their third-party vendors are going to be doing or how they're going to be able to respond. And we saw that in the Philippines uh, and in Thailand with recent floods and outages. So I think uh, and once this is over, I think people need to really seriously look in companies. What are they doing in their third-party providers to make sure that they have clearly um, uh, uh, and through that those folks have adequate business continuity plans because their companies are depending on them to provide that particular service and they're going to really need them to be able to stay up and available during the course of an emergency. Well, I'm glad you referenced the past emergencies we've been through because my question for you was what past mistakes that we've made during those events must we not make now? Well, you know, I think that's a really great question. I think the most important thing is, again, not looking forward enough. It's two things. One is not forward thinking, not really embracing what's going on. And also to that issue, I want to say cognitive bias. And by that, I mean people think, well, no, it's not going to get any worse. Or, gee, I've seen this before, and it was like this way in Irene. Or it was like this way in, in Lee or whatever hurricane they wish to recall. So not to be always applying your previous knowledge because sometimes when you do that you miss what's clearly in front of you so to be aware of that so be aware of cognitive bias in your team and also be forward thinking and third is communicate i will never in my professional career i am sure hear one of my clients say gee i communicated to my staff or to my clients too much i always hear they didn't communicate in a timely manner they were slow they were inefficient. They weren't transparent. So I would ask all of your listeners, they need to think about communication as their number one issue right now. So the storm is going to pass, and we're going to move on to other issues in a week from now. Beyond the immediate disaster, what are the biggest recovery concerns that organizations really need to be thinking about now? That's a really great question. You know, I think um, this will be unusual because because the impact to people's homes and to the communities are going to be so wide. So the recovery is going to be much different than, oh, gee, my business had a disruption and we cleaned it up and we went back to work. Uh, I'm not forecasting this. It would be certainly like a Katrina model, but it's going to be wide damage, and it's going to take a long time for people to recover. So I think what we need to be thinking about in the days and weeks ahead is that we have to be very aware of the impact of this, both emotionally and physically for not just at work but at home, and that people need to support their employees as best as possible and be very aware of things such as emotional health of your employees, things like post-traumatic stress. We'll only recover as well as our people are healthy. And so there's a tendency in an emergency to burn people out, to work them really hard, including ourselves, what we do to ourselves, 
And I think our leadership and our companies and our business continuity professionals need to clearly understand we need to be aware of people and how they are taking care of themselves, that we're making sure that our staffing is not burning people out, that people are going to get some time off, they're not working 20 hours straight, uh, because we won't have anybody to help us recover weeks from now if indeed we burn everybody out in the next five days. Regina, let's sum it up. If you could advise business continuity, disaster recovery professionals on how they best can help their organizations right now, what would you advise them? Two things, uh, communication being number one, and secondarily, make sure your staff are taking care of themselves and their families. Regina, as always, thank you so much for your time and insight. You're welcome, Tom. Thanks very much. We've been talking about Hurricane Sandy and how business continuity, disaster recovery professionals can shine. I've been talking with Regina Phelps, Principal with EMS Solutions. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.